task is to say something about the priesthood, the priesthood of Jesus Christ, and those that are ordained to be priests in his name. This is a topic, the topic of the ministerial or sacramental priesthood, about which there is a lot of controversy and great confusion. For, most, for all of my ministry, 40 years or so, there's been a debate about whether we should have priests or not. And there's been kind of a feeling that there's a zero-sum game between the laity and the clergy. And uh, uh, you, you don't want to make too much out of the priesthood because I'll make less out of the, out of the laity. So uh, what are we to make of this ambivalence? There's a great ambivalence. There's ambivalence and confusion both in the world and in the church, and even in the hearts of the ordained. Among Christ's people and in the unbelieving world, there's a resentment, a resistance, even a hostility to the priesthood. And at the same time, a deep hunger and irresistible attraction to the figure of the priest. The human heart is afraid of the figure of the priest, and at the same time longs to find a true and authentic priest. Perhaps among those of us who are ordained, uh, perhaps amongst us, is some of the deepest longing to encounter a true-hearted priest. We're in the process of choosing a new calling a new bishop for our diocese. Uh, many opinions about what's wanted. I think deep in the human heart is the desire for a true-hearted priest, but also more than a little fear that you might get one. If you ask people for ordination stories, They'll, the story that they will give will have these two themes, great attraction and great fear. We see it in the calling of, I, of uh, in, in, the, in, in the calling of Isaiah here today in the Old Testament that we have. It's every bit as it should be, for God makes his power perfect in weakness, and he casts down the proud and lifts up the lowly. So what are we to make of this ambivalence? Where is this, this tension between great attraction and fear? What are we to make of it? The ambivalence to the figure of the priest, both within the church and in the unbelieving world, and even within the hearts of the ordained, is a form of the fear and attraction which is provoked by Jesus Christ the one that the Father has sent in the power of the Spirit, the one who has been made incarnate from the Holy Ghost of the flesh of the Virgin Mary, his mother, the crucified and risen one who stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door and knocks. And we on the other side, we on the other side of the door, with the latch in our hands, afraid 
and yet with hearts full of the desire of the nation. This dual reaction to the ordained, to the sacramental priesthood, is a particular instance of the reaction to the Lord, the great high priest. This reaction corporately and in the secret rooms of our hearts is always both hallelujah, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, and away with him, crucified. And you listen to the prayer of the Eucharist today, you'll, you'll hear both of those things. You'll hear both, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and on the night in which he was betrayed. In the Eucharist, as we are placed completely before him, and he is placed completely before us, both of these moments are there. It's part of the mystery of the Eucharist and the heart of its saving power, its gospel power, that the once and for all sacrifice, God's sacrifice for our sake, in person, the great high priest who is both the perfect priest and the perfect victim. It's part of the power of the Eucharist that he is there for us, completely there for us. There for us as his life poured out completely to the Father for our sake and completely to us for the Father's sake. He's there for us. This mystery of the perfect priest who inundates us with his blood and thereby washes us, and makes us clean, and touches us, and makes us whole, and restores us to holy communion, holy fellowship with the Father in the power of the Spirit, and in the power of the Spirit through the Son with each other. He's really and truly present there in the bread and wine, in a way beyond words. He's there to make us once again a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Here's what Titus said, or the letter was said in the letter to Titus. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. It is the gospel power of the Holy Eucharist that the once and for all victory of the great high priest, Jesus Christ the Lord. It is the gospel power of the Holy Eucharist that that victory and his once and for all perfect sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction is made available to us, made something we can know, something we can touch, something that we can dwell in, in a way that goes beyond words. Bread and wine are a sacrament of the great high priest who overwhelms and conquers our rebellion against God and our resistance to God with his sacrifice of persevering love. The great high priest, Jesus Christ, is a sacrament, a unique and mysterious presence of God, a unique and mysterious presence of the persevering, seeking, searching, long-suffering love of the Father. And we can 
say a lot about the sacraments. There's a great deal in the scriptures about them. There's a lot in the Gospel of John. There is a lot in St. Paul. There's a lot in the letter to the Hebrews. But ultimately, the sacraments cannot be reduced to words. The Lutheran theologian Robert Jensen observes that about the sacraments, you cannot say in other words. The sacraments are a unique encounter with Jesus Christ, the great sacrament of the Father, who comes to us in the power of the Spirit. The water of baptism, the bread and the wine, and we believe the holy orders of the Church, including the sacramental order of priesthood, or sacraments of the sacrament, Jesus Christ the Lord. After everything is said about the bath, after everything is said about the meal, and after everything is said about that walking sacrament, the priest of Jesus Christ, there remains the encounter with the saving mystery of the Lord, which is both hidden and revealed in the sacrament. There remains the drama of acceptance or rejection. When Christ appears, when Christ appears, that's the whole point, that he might appear, that he might be revealed. When Christ appears, he's feared. He's feared because he comes with the uncompromising and absolute claim of God upon our lives, upon our faith, and upon our obedience. When Christ appears, he is feared because his light reveals our darkness. When Christ appears, he's feared because his love for God and his love for his brothers and sisters reveals our lovelessness and our hardness of heart towards both God and our neighbor. When Christ appears, he's feared because he comes with the marks of his death upon him and reminds us that we also must die. And reminds us that we're not able to stand in the face of death on our own. When, he's a pe- when he appears, he's feared because he bids us come and die with him that we might live with him. We fear him because by who he is, he judges us and condemns us. Way with him, to the cross with him. What did the prophets say? He's despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we, as it were, turned our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. But our fear, our hatred is not strong enough. He persists. He perseveres in love. He shows them his hands and his side. He breathes his life into them. He does it in his word, and he does it in his sacraments, which the word bids us keep. He does it in and through the bath, the bread, and the wine. He does it through the holy orders of the church, deacon, priest, and bishop. And in this case, through this one who is called today and chosen to act in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, and in persona populi, in the person of the people. And to say the words the Lord said on the night in which he was betrayed, 
and to pray them as the Lord prayed them, as the priests of Israel were always commanded to pray them with the people on their hearts. So that Christ's people might be made new by his love, and as St. Augustine says, become the mystery they touch, the body of Christ, and become Christ's sacrament in the world. Today, Christ is acting in and through his people gathered in the prayer of the whole church and through the apostolic ministry of the bishop, which speaks to us of the dependence of the whole body upon its one head, Jesus Christ. The bishop joins hands with his priests and makes this man, Jonathan Paul Beck, the priest of Jesus Christ, a walking sacrament of Christ's own priesthood, a walking sacrament of Jesus Christ laying down his life for us that we might live. Jonathan is being made a walking sacrament of the persevering, seeking, seeking, searching, sanctifying love of Jesus Christ the Lord, the great sacrament of God. There's a part of the ceremony which will be hard to see because uh, it's occurring between the priest and the ordinate, the, the person who's being ordained and, and the bishop and the ordinate. After the laying on hands, where the priest joined with the bishop, beseeching the Holy Spirit to make Jonathan a priest, he'll be clothed with the vestments of a priest, and then the bishop will anoint his hands with the oil of chrism. This is a, speaks to us, oil speaks to us of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit, and it has the odor of a Christmas tree. It's the gift of eternal life. It speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of eternal life. His hands will be, will be anointed. They'll be consecrated. They'll be henceforth set apart for blessing, for absolution, for pardon, for the celebration of the Holy Eucharist. After his hands are anointed, they'll be folded together, and the bishop will wrap a stole around his hands, and he'll be given a Bible, which he will grasp. And this is to show that from henceforth his life is bound, from henceforth his life is bound to the exposition of the scripture for the sake of God's people. And after the Bible will be given to him in a similar manner, a chalice and a patent, to show at the same time that his life is being bound to the exposition, that is in, at the same time his life is being bound to the exposition of the word, it's being bound to the exposition of Jesus Christ in and through his sacraments. Perfect freedom is to be the slave of Jesus Christ. And today, this man is being bound in that bond service. Jonathan, would you stand? My prayer for you, Jonathan, is that you will pattern your ministry on Luke 24. It's Jesus and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Two disciples are on the road. It's after the crucifixion. They're frightened. They're disappointed. You are being ordained at a time when the church is frightened, weary, and disappointed. A stranger joins them. They're not sure who he is. Neither will the world be sure who you are or whose you are. He opens to them the scriptures, and their heart burns within them. And they're able to recognize him who is the sacrament of God in the sacrament of the altar. May you so open the scriptures to the people.
people God gives you, and thus feed them, that they will recognize Jesus Christ, the great high priest, making his appeal to them in and through the apostolic gift given to you. May their heart burn within them. May they recognize and know him, their Lord and Savior, when you break the bread by his command and in his place. And then may the Holy Spirit grab all of us and transport us all to the mountain of transfiguration, this mountain on which the disciples first beheld the radiant glory of the Lord is also hidden in the mystery of the Eucharistic prayer. Maybe, may we be there with the disciples when the cloud overshadows them and they were afraid. And may we be there when they looked again and saw Jesus only, radiant, glorified, with the light of heaven. Jonathan, my brothers and sisters in holy orders, we must decrease, we must decrease that he might increase. We must decrease that he might increase so that in and through us, he can do his priestly work of making his people whole and holy, making them once again a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Amen. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.